everybody. Man, I'm just glad to be in church tonight. Y'all probably aren't, but I'm enjoying the rain. Man, we don't get much rain where we live. We do get good weather, but we don't get much rain. And I miss the good rain, so I'm thankful for the rain. And uh, glad to be here with you tonight. Even if my son forgot I was coming. I'm glad, I'm still glad to be here, amen, and I'm thankful for what the Lord's doing in your church, thankful for what the Lord's doing in his church, praise God, amen, he's doing a great thing, and I'm thankful for that, and good to be here with, with them, Sister Jessica Howard, Arabella, our middle child when my wife was pregnant, with our child, the ultrasound said we had a little girl coming three times, and we we had a name for her, and her name was Jessica. And when Jessica was born, it was a he. And I knew something was up when the nurse said, did we ever tell you what she's going to have? And I said, yeah. She said, what did we tell you? I said, why are you looking at me like that? made a mistake so after all those years we finally got our Jessica amen we love her dearly amen I'm glad the Lord's here tonight I feel the Holy Ghost in the house you might feel the Lord here tonight praise God I drove a long way just to preach here tonight amen actually I had to take care of some personal business and uh I used to jump in the vehicle and just drive and drive, but uh, things have changed in the last few years, and uh, I'm glad Adrian was with me to help me drive and let me sleep a little bit, and we did stop last night and sleep good at the hotel, but anyway, I'm glad to be here with you tonight, and I want the Lord to help us, and I know that he will, amen, I know that he will, and what I'm going to preach or teach tonight. Y'all been getting filet mignon with Brother Wilbanks. When you get revival with him, tonight you're going to get cornbread and beans. Which I could eat some of that right now. Amen. Fried, fried potatoes, an onion, cornbread and beans. With a ham hock in it, that'd be pretty good tonight, and a, and a homegrown tomato. Hallelujah! We don't get that in California very often. When they say they're gonna make beans, they're talking about refried beans. Yeah, every time we had a dinner, it was like four kinds of beans and six kinds of pasta salad. I told them we're cooking dinner next time. We'll have something to taste tasty. Anyway, but I want the Lord to help us tonight. And I really feel this on my heart. And if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we'll start reading in verse 53. Praise God. Matthew 13, verse 53. It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? 
Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Another rendering of verse 57 said they were offended by him. Jesus told the prophet to honor his own, in his own hometown, in his own home. He did not perform any miracles there because of their unbelief. Let's pray tonight and ask the Holy Ghost to help us. Jesus, I thank you tonight for your help and your anointing in this place, Jesus. I pray your divine will be done tonight, God. Give us ears to hear your word. called Changing Your Behavior. For Mississippi, I have a different title. It's called Pig Pen Mentality. They don't understand that out there. I can talk to you all that way here. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight for a little while about how we look at things and how perspective changes what we look at. I'm a type of person, if I see an accident, I see it different than you're going to see it. I'm going to see all the blood and the gore, all the smashed up stuff, and you're going to say, I heard there was a wreck over on the corner. There was a couple of cars hit each other, and that's how that's the difference in perspective. And what I see and what you see is the same thing but from a different angle. And I looked at it different than how you looked at it, and that's how all of us look at things in life sometimes. We, we have a different perspective And when you change your perspective on something, it changes in what you see. Right? If you look at something a certain way and you look at it from a different angle, it changes a little bit. And a lot of times we we are looking at things that God is wanting to do in our society, in our world, in church, and for us personally. And because of how we're looking at it, we sometimes miss what God has for us. Amen. Y'all hang with me tonight, all right? I mean, amen. I'm going to try not to take too long. But our perception of things can be affected by our upbringing. How we see things, how we do things. You can go to somebody's house, uh, and, and y'all may have some things in common when you're here at church. You go, you go to where they live, and things are a little bit different than what you thought. Because their lifestyle is different than what yours is. And it also, things affect us by how we're raised. How our parents raise us, how they treat us, how our siblings are, family, kinfolk, so on and so forth. And it affects what we've heard, what we've seen, helps or shapes and forms our perspective in life. In our text, it shows us a warped perception in Jesus' hometown. They looked at him different than they did in another place. Because some places he went, the Bible said that everybody there was healed and made whole. 
But in his hometown, when he left, he didn't do many mighty works there or heal very many because how they looked at him. That's Mary's illegitimate child. That's one that Joseph hid her away from to hide the shame in the family. Who knows what they said about him? And about Mary, who knows what all they talked about? But they could not believe that Jesus had the power to come in their hometown, in his hometown, and have miracles and healings and meet needs because of how their perception of him was. They looked at it totally different than, than they looked at him in, in uh, another town, another locale where he preached at or ministered to them at. And it really showed a warped perception because of how they looked at it. If they had been somewhere else and saw it, they would say, whoa, I, I didn't realize what he is. I didn't realize he could do all those things. And I just thought he was, you know, taught by Joseph how to work on wood and how to make this. And, and I remember him down at the shop with the other boys. And I remember him playing in the street. And, and I know that, you know, man, Joseph had those kids, but he was... We ain't sure about Joseph and you know, all that kind of stuff. Mary, you know, who knows, you know. I heard that she got around a little bit before they got married. And, and you know, he's the chip off the old block. I know y'all probably never looked at it like this. But it's their perspective because he couldn't do much there. And sometimes when we come to church the way that we're feeling and because of what we're dealing with and what we've gone through, we don't realize what all God can do in one service. You don't know what I'm dealing with and you don't know what, what it's been like the way I've been raised and you don't understand this and you don't know that. And, and so we excuse our actions, our attitudes, our words, whatever, our unbelief or our lack of faith or whatever you want to call it, we blame it many times on our upbringing. They couldn't see Jesus beyond how he was raised. They couldn't see that he could do all these miracles and their warped perception was their reality about him. Amen. And I wonder today sometimes people's perception of a move of God is determined many times by how they've been raised and how they think. It could be tainted or it could be enhanced depending on who you've heard preach in the past. If you come from an environment, if you come from a, uh, uh, an environment of negativity all the time, then your perception is going to be a little more negative than somebody that came from a good environment that they didn't allow negativity around the house. Well, praise God. It may get a little tight in here before I get done tonight. God, but we'll get through it some way with the help of the Lord. And, and I know that uh, being raised certain ways affects us. Every one of them affects me, it affects you. And uh, sometimes people have a hard time seeing, and, and, and don't get tired of me when I say this, I'm just going to say it passing. I'm not going to park here. But sometimes how we look at finances is determined by how poor we were when we was raised. God, I tell you, when I was just thinking about this on the way here, and and uh, and it just kind of was kind, I kind of laughed to myself. Uh, if I tell people this, they probably think you must have been really, y'all were some dirty people physically. Uh, but 
when when your parents went through a, through the depression and they went through World War II, they raised you a little different than those that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Because on Saturday we got to take a bath. Not on Tuesday or Wednesday. Because the water was precious. And since I was the youngest, I got to go last when I took a bath. Because you saved the water, you didn't empty it after everybody. You didn't know that, did you? And and there was leftover food, very rarely, with seven kids. And mother fixed our plate, and you ate everything on your plate before you got up from the table, or you sat there until the sun came up after you got your backside wore out. And I got two pair of blue jeans when school started with sewed-in patches, I mean uh, ironed-in patches on the inside. They were Sears Tough Skins. Huskies, and I got three shirts, and that's what I got to wear for a whole school year, and one pair of tennis shoes that by the end of the school year, they looked pretty bad, and mother would wash them every few weeks. She had to. I'm talking about the shoes. She did wash the other clothes all the time, and we never went out to eat. I remember the first time I went out to eat, I was uh, 12 years old. I thought that was really something went to a buffet, and I thought, wow, look at all this food. And I ate so much that I got sick. That kind of had an effect on my life. So when I would go out to eat with young people, I got to where I would just get a glass of water and just kind of sat there with the young people, and they would eat a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So you going to eat all that pizza? No, I don't like it. I'll eat it for you. I didn't want nothing to go to waste. I was afraid mother would show up. These kids left pizza on the table. I ate it for them. Don't worry. It's all right. That did affect my life to where when I got older, I was fiscally uh, uh, conservative. And I didn't waste money, and I didn't do certain things because that's how I was raised. you got to be careful about it. So when you get to talking about finances, I told you I'm going to park on it here. I am circling around 14 times. And, and it, it would affect me when they say, well, you know, you need to be blessed and da-da-da. I'm thinking, yeah, if you work hard and you, you put in hours, you can make money and this, that, and the other, so on and so forth. That was my perception. And that's not even what I'm preaching about tonight, but I'm just making a point with it. And, and my perception was based off of their poor mentality of how they were raised. My mom and dad grew up in the field picking cotton and working the farm out in the country. That's how they were raised. And, and that mindset, my mother, when I was 11, moved out in the country, and, and she said, we're going to plant a big garden. I was all excited because I used to plant tomatoes. I raised tomatoes in the summer, and I sold them as a kid to all the old ladies in the neighborhood. That was my summer. And, you know, all these little tomatoes, and I was having a good little time. But when we planted a half-acre garden, when I was 11, I didn't realize what all was involved in this. I didn't realize that rototillers were only for rare usage. There was a hoe that fit your hands. And you go down the rows. Most of you need to go out there and go down the rows and chop all that out and make sure there's no grass there. I'd go out there and hit a little bit at it. She'd come out there with a belt and show me how to do the rest of it. It was amazing what I could get done. 
And I decided after that first summer that I did not like gardens. I loved what I ate out of them. I didn't like the work that went in them. And so it, it was part of our upbringing, how we looked at things. And, and uh, I, I know that I've seen people struggle. It wasn't until I got a little bit older that I learned how God was my provider. When you, when you do without and you have a need, God will every single time provide for your need. And, and if I look at it through the perception of how I was raised, it would be difficult sometimes for me to trust God and believe God to provide. When we lived overseas and we ran out of food, we ran out of everything because of a medical emergency with my wife, I didn't know what to do. And my wife, what are we going to do to feed this thing? We had to feed him. He was only a year and a half old. He's crying for food. There wasn't nothing to eat but one can of food. She's, and she's crying to me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm in El Salvador. What do you want me to do, rob a bank? We couldn't wire money there. We didn't have a checking account there. Uh, there was a lot of things we didn't have there. I didn't know what to tell her. And so I... I finally get to the point, I got half a tank of gas left. I'm fixing to go drive this vehicle, so I'll run out of gas. I'll just show her really proper how to do this. I'll run out of gas and just leave it parked. And, and God, here we are, stuck down here by ourselves. No help, no money, no way to get any money. I can't call somebody and get money sent to us. It's not like it is nowadays. And uh, it's a long time ago. And so I leave the house, and I'm having a little pity party, and I'm by myself, and and I'm talking to myself, and nobody showed up for the party but me. The devil showed up. He was having himself a party with me. He was talking up a storm. I mean, he wouldn't shut up. And I am listening to everything he was telling me. And my perception of how I was raised was working overtime at the moment. And I finally got to a point, and I said, okay, devil, you need to shut up. I realize I'm being pitiful. Taking the party hat off, throwing that little noisemaker away, and I'm going to go back to the house, and we're going to have to pray, and i got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, God, I don't know what to tell her. You're going to have to talk to her before I get there. And when I got there, and I opened the door up, and I walked in, there's a table full of groceries sitting there. There's money laying there because God spoke to somebody in the foreign field that came and knocked on the door and said, God said you need this. So... My perception of how I looked at the things of God began to change a little bit. And I realized that my mindset needs to be infused with the Spirit of God that changes everything. Hallelujah. So when I, when I begin to look at it through the natural eyes, I'm going to mess things up. But when I change my perspective and let the Spirit of God begin to move, I look at everything different. Praise God. I look at things in a different light when the Spirit of the Lord begins to touch my mind and begins to talk to me. Praise God. In whatever way it is, let God begin to talk to you. Amen. Everything in life that we go through affects us. Praise God. And so, let me jump ahead a little bit. The children of Israel, my favorite subject to preach on is probably uh, when Moses uh, was with the children of Israel. It's one of my favorite topics in the Old Testament. It is my favorite topic in the Old Testament probably because I realize everything evolves in our, in our Christian life off of knowing who God is. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Him only shalt thou serve. And he said, you've got to teach this to your children. When they get up in the morning, you got to talk about it. When you sit down to eat lunch, you got to talk about it. When you come home in the evening, you got to talk about it and put it on the gate so when they're coming home, they're looking at it and have it on the doorpost. And you talk about it all the time. And you tell them, I am the one that brought you out of bondage. I am the one that provided the rock that followed you in the wilderness. I am the one that delivered you from the plagues. I am the one that kept you. Amen. When the death angel passed over and you put the blood on the doorpost, I'm the one that did that for you. When you came to the sea and you couldn't go any further, I'm the one that opened it up and you passed through on dry ground. I'm the one that brought the water together and drowned Pharaoh's army in the middle of the sea. I want you to tell them that. And I want you to tell them that rock that followed you in the, uh, that's following them in the wilderness and the water's coming from, I provided that. The Lord, our God, is one Lord. I want them to know that I was in the burning bush. I want them to know all these stories and that memorial that's there was because of me. And what he was doing was putting into their children and into their mind he was changing their perspective because they had been in slavery and bondage and everything they looked at was looked at through that perspective. But when you begin to look through the eyes of God, he changes your perspective. You begin to look at things totally different when you look through his eyes. Praise God. And so as I begin to look at it his way, it changes everything about what I'm looking at. You can look at it with a critical eye and you can look at it with your education and you can look at it with your upbringing and you can look at it with your bad home life and whatever you want to look at. But when God begins to move upon you and God begins to speak through you, I look at it totally different. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so God here for, for centuries, he put into his people who he was. They had a hard time figuring it out. All of them that came over, that were older, died in the wilderness because their perspective was still messed up. They're still living in bondage in their mind. They're still living in, in the, the um, aggression that came from the Egyptians. They're still living in being a nothing in everybody's eyes. Even though their clothes wasn't wearing out, even though their shoes weren't wearing out, even though they had manna to eat daily, and even though they had water when they needed it, even though they had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, they still had a hard time trusting who God is. They had a hard time understanding because of how they were, but God was trying to form in them an image of who he was. Well, praise God. They heard it over and over until they were sick of hearing it. Did you know by the time their kids were 16 years of age, they would have heard 28 times a week, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They would have heard it 1,456 times a year, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Why are you telling me that? Well, because every nation that we come in contact with has two, three, 
five, ten, fifteen gods. They believe in this, they believe in it. But I am the one true God that delivered you. I am the one true God that will provide for you. I am the one true God that brings revival to you. Hallelujah. By the time your kids are 16 years of age, they would have heard it over 26,000 times. That would have affected them. It's like, it's like teaching your kids what's good to eat and what's bad to eat. You, know, you, you teach your kids when they're little how to eat certain things. You whet their appetite for it. He was whetting their appetite for even more than what they'd already seen. He was trying to teach them a warped perception. Y'all with me? A warped perception can give a reality to someone that's not really real. It's truth. There was a couple in California arrested last year, I believe it was, maybe two years ago. Uh, they had 12 children. They arrested this couple, and their children were all undersized. Some of them were in their 20s. Some of them were pretty young. Y'all probably heard the story. They chained them to the bed. They, they fed them a little bit at a time, and they were very naive children. And when they would talk to them, one, I think one was 29 years old, and the littlest one was 2 years old. And they were very abusive, and they, they began to question these kids about their parents. And they asked him, was there drugs in the home? They didn't know what drugs were. What kind of pills did you take? They didn't know what a pill was. Think about that. Modern times. And, and what did you eat? And they ate very little food. They didn't even know how to hardly describe some of the things. And, and because of their reality... Statistics are going to bear out, and time will tell. You know how our media is. They're going to make something out of here before long and talk about all these kids got problems. They're going to have, some of these kids are never going to get over it. No matter how much help they get, no matter what society does to help them, no matter what psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists and counselor that works with them, they're going to have issues down the road. Some of them will bounce, bounce back and do great. Some of them will struggle the rest of their life. Some of them will be stuck in that mentality of how they were raised because of their perspective. Y'all still there? <coughs> their own parents didn't treat them right. I pastor people who, who never knew their dad. I pastor people whose mom walked off and left them when they were a little bitty. I, I pastor people who was raised with CPS in their life and and when they come to church, their kids were with CPS. It just was an ongoing cycle. That's where they come from. And so they look at things totally different. I don't know if y'all heard about there was a girl in China some years back, back in the early 90s, I believe it was. They found her living in a pig pen. Anybody hear about her? She was 11 years old. They, they actually saw movement in the mud. It wasn't a pig. And they got to looking. It was a little girl. She was 11 years old. They took this little girl, they cleaned her up, and she couldn't talk. She sounded like a pig when she made noises. She crawled. She couldn't stand up. They had to teach her how to walk. They had to teach her, uh, start teaching her the Chinese alphabet and how to, uh, how to form words and how to form sentences. They had to teach her how to set up, had to teach her how to walk, how to talk, how to hold uh, chopsticks in her hand, 
how to eat, how to feed herself. You know they don't tell the whole story. I just wonder how many times she dropped back down on the floor. Trying to find food on the table or, or go out the door, crawling on her hands and knees because that's all she knew. They said she even nursed off of a pig, a pig when she was little. Her mother was severely retarded, they said in the article, and the dad was a deaf mute. He didn't know how to communicate. They thought he was probably pretty delayed himself. And so here this poor little girl was. Uh, and you know, all she had to do was crawl over to the fence, get a hold of it, pull herself up. Pigs can't do that. And look out there and see what she's missing. But because of how she was raised, her perspective was a pig pen. I, and they said it took years for her to start making sentences and and all of that, and, and they, they said it wasn't any congenital way that she was. It was because of the pig behavior she was around. So her mentality was more like a pig than it was a, a little girl. Can you imagine? I, I can't even fathom what was going on in that little girl's head. She had such a warped perception of what was normal. That what Her normal was in a pig pen. Her normal was eating with the pigs. I know that's disgusting. But it all she was trapped in a pig pen when she could have stood up and got out of there. But that's all she knew. And so it affected everything about her. And I, I'm sure that she struggled with a lot of other issues. And she probably the rest of her life will deal with problems because of that. And many times, y'all hang with me now. Many times, the pig pen that we wallow in when we get the Holy Ghost. You may get the Holy Ghost and you may be delivered of everything that you've ever been a part of. But there's something about our mindset because of our past that if we don't keep the Holy Ghost renewed often and we don't keep ourselves praying like we need to, we'll go right back to pig pen mentality and we'll go right back to thinking God can't heal and God can't deliver and God can't provide and I can't overcome and I can't be victorious. I'm telling you, the pig pen mentality is alive and well in many people's minds. It's there. Many people will continue living in that mindset. Praise God, it is what it is. There was a soldier in my lifetime from Japan. I think this was back in the late 70s. He was in the Philippines hiding in a cave in the jungle. When they found him and brought him out of there, he still had his gun cleaned and polished and ready to fire. He had his bullets that he had kept all those years, 20-something years, 25 years. He still had his tattered uniform he had patched up many times in the jungle. At one time, he had several men still with him. They finally abandoned him. There was people that came to him and tried to tell him the war's over with. Oh, no. He was sent with orders. Till, the, till we come and tell you, they couldn't get him to leave there. They finally found, uh, some researchers went in there and talked to him, and they found out who his commanding officer was. They went and got his commanding officer and brought him in there, and he said, everything's at ease. The war's over with. Put your gun up. They brought him back to civilization. He had a hard time comprehending freeways. 
airplanes like we had, transportation like we have, and the people in Japan didn't talk about the war, and he didn't see no signs of battles. He didn't see nothing going on. He had a hard time comprehending what was going on because for 20-plus years he had been on edge waiting for the battle. His perception had messed him up so bad that they had to send in people to have him surrender. It's over with. You can relax. There's sometimes, hey man, I, as a pastor, I feel like, hey, come on, you can relax a little bit. God's on your side. You don't have to fight no more. You don't have to put up with that no more. You don't have to live like that no more. You don't have to act like that no more. You don't have to go back to that no more. You don't have to be scared to go home no more. You don't have to worry about this no more. My God, my God delivered you and set you free. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some people, you know, they live their whole life worried about the police busting in the door. I pastor people that when they got in church, they were always looking over their shoulder. Some of them, I think, still do a little bit. I told them the other day, every time you hear a siren, you get nervous. Every time you see a police car, you get the jitters. Everything's over. All right. You don't, they're not going to pick you up again. Don't worry. It's California. You can do what you want now. It don't matter anyway. Chill. Everything's chill. It's cool. Don't worry about it. But some people, because of their upbringing, it's hard for them to ever get that warped perception out of their mind. What's normal, Pastor? I've had them. You know, Pastor, I don't know what normal is. I was beat all my life. I was done this way all my life. I was treated this way all my life. I was abused. I was sexually molested from the time I was old enough to even remember. I mean, it's all there. It's not just California. It's everywhere. There's people in this church affected by some of the stuff I'm talking about. Amen. It affects every one of us. So we deal with it. I've seen people suspicious of anybody being kind to them because of how they were raised. Hey, not everybody's trying to steal from you. Hey, relax. Not everybody's here to pick on you. Everything's going to be all right. And it may not be something you ever say, but it's a, it's a mentality that resurfaces every once in a while, that affects us. I feel like I'm losing some of you right now. Sometimes we don't even realize the hurts of the past and the failures of the past, how it affects us in our walk with God. Praise God. I know, we're, I know, I'm, I know where I'm at tonight, okay? I'm just here to tell you that every church that I've ever preached in is dealing with what I'm talking about. I'm here to tell you that in this congregation there's more than a few that have to deal with certain mindsets of your family, of your failures, of your past, of abuses, of problems. And when you get the Holy Ghost, it don't fix that overnight. It doesn't fix all your hang-ups. you got to work at it. That's why I teach a lot on discipline. You have to discipline yourself. I told a man Sunday, hey, you've got to discipline your flesh. The Holy Ghost will set you free and deliver you, but you've got to to discipline your flesh. You can't go certain places you used to go. You can't hang out with your buddies you used to hang out with. You can't listen to what you used to listen to. 
You've got to change when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you. Praise God. And so you see sometimes people repeating the same old mistakes over and over and over. And uh, it's based many times off of their mindset, how they feel, how, how they've been treated. I, some people go through uh, abusive relationships. Women don't trust men. Men don't trust women. You've got kids messed up. You've got people messed up. You've got things they're dealing with. You know what? She was okay after that. Not singling nobody out. Matter of fact, Sunday night, they were at church. Her and her sister. And down on the front row, young lady, they're in school. I'm going to tell you something. Our upbringing does affect us. Praise God. It does affect us. He said, well, I haven't had all those abuses. Yeah, but you might have had a mindset at home that was negative, that was this or that, whatever. Amen. But when you are in church, you can't let that affect your view in the house of the Lord. You might have been hurt. You might have been done wrong. But you got to love people like you've never been hurt before. you got to love like you don't know there's any hurt in this world. you got to overlook offenses that people have you got to overlook bad attitudes people have you got to overlook your past you've got to overlook their past and you got to put your faith and your trust in God praise God you can't you can't keep your mindset on the past well praise God you got to learn to trust people I've been done wrong. I've, you know what? I've had to get over it. I've been hurt. Anybody else been hurt here? I've had people do me wrong. I've had people talk about me. I've had people say things about me. I've had people do things towards us. I've had them hurt my sons, my wife, me. I've had all. It's just, it's just part of life. But you don't stay there because you know who you serve. Hero Israel. The Lord, our God, is one Lord. And I'm just back here tonight reminding you once again who we serve. He's the God of all. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the one that flung stars from his fingertips. He's the one that formed man from the dust of the earth. He's the one that created all things. And he singly loves you by yourself. It doesn't matter what my past was or your past. It doesn't matter what I've been through in the past. And guess what? There's people here that more than likely while I'm preaching, you're refusing to even hear what I got to say because you don't want to change how your past was. As I say in uh, California, Gloria a Dios. I mean, praise the Lord in Spanish. Hallelujah. When I get hung up and I can tell they're not like it, I just say, Gloria Dios. They know what I mean. Hallelujah. It's a fact. 
Do you want to stay in the pig pen or do you want to get out? Stand up and get out of the mire. Stand up and get out of the mud. Stand up and get out of the mess. Stand up and get out of all the filth. Get out of all the sewage. Get out of all the problems. And when you take that step, God, God will begin to change your mind. God, we've got people in our church, their mind was so messed up from drugs, they couldn't even talk two sentences together and make sense. We just kept praying for them. God changed their mind. What do you mean? I'm not talking about where they, you know, I'm not talking about changing your mind about doing something. I'm talking about changing their mind where they think normal. Where they can articulate a few words. Where they have a little bit of common sense. Where they can make rational decisions without somebody holding their hand while they freak out a little bit. And I've watched God heal people's mind. But you got to stay at it. When you're dealing with problems, you just got to keep at it. So, Brother Howard, it's not like that here in Mississippi. I beg to differ with you. I pastored in Mississippi. Yeah, they, it's the same, it's same everywhere. It don't matter what language or what color or, or, or what culture or what uh, mom or dad was or grandma and grandpa or if you even had parents that you knew of. You mean we're all the same. We all hurt the same way. We all react different over it, though, and that's what I'm talking about tonight. It affects how I view the things of God. I'm trying to hurry, y'all, so hang with me. When God came to this earth and robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us, he handpicked 12 men to mentor and pour himself into and train and teach. Evidently, one of them tuned him out when he was teaching. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? One of them tuned him out. Can you imagine listening to Jesus talk? Can you, um, oh my goodness, can you imagine being in the temple when he walked in there that day and asked for them to bring Isaiah and he unrolled it and he began to read. And the words that he was reading, he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. As God, he moved on Isaiah to write those words. As his self in the form of Jesus Christ, he fulfilled his words. I've come to bind up the broken heart. I've come to set at liberty those that are bound. And Judas, I, I can't even imagine what it must have felt like to hear him read his own words. Think about that a minute. When he began to read in the book of Isaiah, that's his words. He penned those words under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And as he began to fulfill his own words, hundreds of years later, how would you like to be one of the disciples like I know something big's happening right now. I know this is a historic moment. Maybe we ought to write this down. I think, Luke, where you at, bud? Can you imagine what it felt like? How about what it felt like when he took the five loaves of bread 
and two fishes, and he blessed it and broke it and began to give it to them. And as they began to give it out, the miracle kept breaking apart in their hands. It just kept multiplying as they gave it out. Can you imagine what it felt like? Judas was one of those men, folks. He was giving out the food. He heard him speak as no man spoke. He saw the miracles. Walk on the water. But yet, his mindset, he sat at the feet of Jesus and still denied him. You can sit in church all your life and still not figure out what I'm talking about. You'll still never figure out that you were in the wilderness that he brought you out. You'll never figure it out, but if you allow his spirit to touch your heart and your mind and do some healing of the past and do some healing of what you've gone through. One of the 12 doubted Jesus. Even though they saw all the miracles, he still doubted. Two of them, their mother, felt like they deserved to be better than the others. Two of them lied on him and lied about him and rejected him. One even sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. But he didn't quit trusting and he didn't quit loving people. Well, praise God. He still kept on loving people. He still kept on helping people. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lesson for every one of us. I've been lied on. I've been done wrong just like you have. I've had things go wrong that don't make sense. I've wondered where God's at in the midst of problems sometimes. Where you at, Lord? But guess what? You keep on trusting and you keep on believing and you have yourself a prayer meeting and guess what happens when you have a prayer meeting? Maybe you come in here on a Wednesday or Tuesday night and you've had a rough week already. It's Tuesday and you're already having a bad week at work and things aren't going like it should be and you come in here in the presence of God. And you just begin to shut out all that. And you begin to lift up the name of Jesus. As they begin to sing, you begin to sing the song. And you begin to feel something. And guess what happens? God changes your perspective. You begin to look at your problem in a whole different angle. Amen. You made it to pre-service prayer. You get to praying. And guess what happens? Your perspective on life begins to change as you begin to pray. Amen. As God begins to build you up again and lets you see it through his eyes. Come on. He wants to lift us up a little higher. We used to sing a song, lift me up above the shadows. Amen. God wants to lift you up above your problems and lift you up above your issues and lift you up above your inadequacies. And when you allow the Spirit of the Lord to lift you up a little higher, you look at things totally different. My, my, my. I'm about to stop here, so help me out. All these things, there's people cause pain to others. You probably have thought about it. Some of you, while I'm preaching, it's gone through your mind, the face of somebody that's done you wrong, and, and you thought about it just while I'm preaching. <coughs> You've had a friend betray you. You had somebody do you wrong when you were a child, and you had all these things. But when you get the Holy Ghost, and then when the devil comes back around to, to bring up your past and bring up your problems and bring up your issues and bring up all the things you, that make you who you are, 
that's when you have to have the Holy Ghost lift you back up. And that's where your perspective begins to change. And you get in the presence of God enough times. And you get in a service where you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And you begin to worship. And you get lost in praise and worship. It doesn't take too many months of that kind of lifestyle to where it begins to change your perspective on life and it begins to change your perspective on who God is it begins to change your mentality don't tell me you can't have revival don't tell me you can't be an overcomer don't tell me that your family can't be saved don't tell me that God's not your provider don't tell me that God failed you don't tell me that you can't be healed I've always told a story about a woman that, that ironed her husband's clothes every, every service and laid them out for him. He never went to church with her for 30 years. And finally, one night, he came to church and got the Holy Ghost. I got a man in my church. He preached just recently. His first time to preach, he was 65 years old. He prayed through four years ago this past June. He preached three weeks ago for me. Did a tremendous job. He told me, he said, he, he told the church, he said, I'm a, I'm a 37-year miracle. My wife prayed for me for 37, this is my church, okay, where I pastor, 37 years. I'm a 37-year miracle standing on this platform. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to be standing here. Here's what he told him. I don't deserve all this. I was messed up. I've done all these things, but my wife never quit praying for me. 37 years. He's already retired from his job. He had a very successful career in, in, his, in his life and traveled all over the world with the company he was with, retired with great benefits and all of that. Here he is now. He got the Holy Ghost just a couple of months after he, pre after he retired. God filled him. He's on fire for God. When I'm preaching, I know he's got my back. When I need something, I know he's going to be there to help me out if I need his help. He'll do what he can. He said, I don't understand everything about church, but I'm trying and I'm learning. And every Wednesday, my son can tell you, you can come to church on Wednesday at 5 o'clock and guess who's in there teaching a friend of his a Bible study? That man that's a 37-year miracle is teaching a Bible study to a man every Wednesday night at 5 o'clock. He's learned how to pray. He's learned how he's still dealing with how he was raised. He's still dealing with, with issues and things that he'd done in his own past. But God, everybody say, but God. He can change all things. He changes the way I look at life. He changes the way I speak. He changes the way I think. He changes the way I look at things. He changes my family. He changes my future. He changes everything about me. Come on, let's stand to our feet tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, help us, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's easy to, and when you get married, it's easy when your marriage is in the honeymoon stage. But it's when the bills come due a few months later and you can't meet all the bills. And she's not wearing a wedding dress. And it's not all nice and new. And you revert back to how your daddy used to act. Come on.
you start talking like daddy used to talk to you, your mama. Or mama starts acting like, you start acting like your mama used to act. And they say, you act just like your brother. You act just like your daddy. Some of them we can't say that to because they don't know who their daddy was. That's the damn hour that we're in right now. It don't matter. <laughs> There's a man in our church. He shaves his head. He's new in church. Our area code is 805. He's got tattooed on the back of his head. 805. He's got horns tattooed here in the front. He's tatted from his neck down. He, he's been in prison 24 years. He's 44 years old. He's been out of prison. He's been in the gang since he was 14 years old. He still walks like a gangbanger. He still dresses sometimes like a gangbanger. He's been coming now about two months. Baptize him in Jesus' name and come out of the water. Hug me real good when he hugged me. First time I ever saw him, he threatened to kill me. He's about that tall, and I'm looking down at him. He's threatening to kill me. And I took my finger, and I poked him in the chest. I didn't know his past. I didn't know he'd been in prison for murder. I didn't know he had two other charges in prison for accessory to murders. I didn't know he'd stabbed a guy. I didn't know he'd been shot and stabbed several times. I didn't know that they asked him to be the hefty in the game over Ventura, the head honcho. I didn't know. He said, you don't know who I am. You wouldn't talk to me like that. And I poked him in the chest. He said, don't you touch me. I'll kill you. I said, you can't kill me. He said, what do you mean I can't kill you? I said, God ain't going to let you kill me. I didn't. I just thought he was just a punk. Just, you know. I just thought he was just a punk. I really did. I mean, he's the guy that I, I would probably knock him out with one punch. He was just a sissy. I mean, he was just not a sissy. He was just, just, he didn't grow up working hard. I'll just put it that way. And we won his niece and nephew to the Lord. I, we actually, me and my wife took them in when they were 12 and 15. And when we went to court to get custody of them, that's when he threatened me. Long story short, their mom was on meth on the street and she'd asked me to take her kids. So we did. She's in church. Kids prayed their mama in church. She's been in church now for over five years and forgot. This is her brother. A Sunday night, he was running the aisles. And I said, I know y'all have a hard time believing this, but the bigger miracle outside of salvation is he threatened to kill me about six years ago. And here he is, worshiping God. I baptized him, and he hugged my neck. And he tells me all the time how much he loves me now. There's a mindset change going on. He's still got a lot of work to do. I mean, there's still a whole lot that needs to happen in his life. He's still got a lot to figure out. But every service, he's running the aisles. He's got cirrhosis of the liver. He's got all kinds of problems. I baptized him on Sunday, his true story. On Tuesday, they came to kill him. He was at his mama's house taking a nap. They actually, they, her, she saw him getting out of the car with guns, and she called the police. 
and they ran. They were all felons, and they caught him out in the field near the house, put him back in jail. They were coming to kill him. Two days after he got baptized, this is a real story. This really did happen. And he said, I wasn't scared. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, he's sitting in there in the lobby. He's got a pistol in his waist. I said, don't worry about it. He ain't going to shoot nobody here at church. He'll be all right. So he's got some things he's got to fix. He don't carry a gun to church no more. He's got a smile on his face. I know there's times, you know, he's going to need some, probably some words of wisdom from me, advice or whatever, opinions. I know it's coming. The day's coming. But you and I have got to have a mind shift in the Holy Ghost that God wants to give us revival in the last days like we've never seen. And it doesn't matter. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what it's been the last 30 years. It doesn't, and I'm not even referring to this church in particular. I'm talking, it doesn't matter your background the last 30 years. It doesn't matter if you come from this church or any other church. What matters is can we get the perspective of God in the day and hour that we're living in? Can the Holy Ghost reach down and touch somebody here tonight? Can the Holy Ghost reach down and touch your heart and mind tonight and say, Jesus, I need your help right now. Jesus, I need you to change my mindset tonight. Come on, let's reach out to him right now, Jesus. Oh, we want your help tonight, Jesus. <coughs> we want your help tonight, Jesus. Jesus. <coughs> Jesus. Come on, reach out to the Lord right now. Come on, reach out to the Lord right now. Jesus, I need you to touch my mind tonight. You may be dealing with a problem in your family right now. You may be dealing with a personal situation nobody knows about but you and Jesus. I want you to pray right now and ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to change my perspective and how I'm looking at this. God, I want you to help me right now. Come on, I want somebody to reach out to the Lord right now. Amen. Why don't you just step out in the aisle if you can? Amen. Maybe it's convenient you could reach over to somebody near to you right now. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, help us tonight. Jesus, help us tonight in this place. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Jesus. Jesus. We need you tonight, Jesus. We need you tonight, Jesus. you to close your eyes and pray right now. Lord, help me to change my perspective tonight. Help me tonight, God, to see through your eyes, Jesus. Help me tonight, Lord, to be changed by your spirit, Jesus. Oh, God, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Reach out to the Lord right now. You may be okay tonight, but somebody here tonight may be going through a crisis right now that nobody knows about. Jesus, 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 touch my mind tonight, God. Help me, Lord, to see through your eyes tonight, Jesus. Help me tonight, Lord, to seek after your face, Jesus. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, 
And that's it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We believe your word tonight, God. We believe your word tonight, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, reach out to the Lord right now. Come on, reach out to the Lord right now. We still got a few minutes here of time. Jesus. 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 Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. 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 Come on, why don't you put your hand on the shoulder or somebody next to you if it's appropriate right now. We're going to pray for one another tonight. Come on, let's pray for one another right now. Jesus, 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 we need you tonight, God. Come on, ask, ask the Lord. Help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I trust you tonight, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Reach out to him right now, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Reach out to him right now. Jesus, 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 we want your help right now, Lord. Oh, we want you tonight, Jesus. That's it. Come on, that's it. God's want to administer to somebody before you leave here tonight. Come on, the Lord wants to take us somewhere right now. We could just blow through this tonight if that's what you want to do, but I really believe the Lord wants to minister. There is an anointing in this body of believers to minister one to another. That's what I want us to do right now. You don't have to know somebody's story, but I know some of your stories. There are stories in here that are still haunting some of you. We're all held captive by our past experiences, but tonight the Lord wants to bring healing. You don't have to know that person's story, but would you join with somebody right now and would you begin to pray? Come on, come on. We used to sing it when we were children. He's still working on me. He wants to work on some of us right now. He wants to bring healing to our minds, our emotions. Come on, he wants to bring faith to some of you. Come on right now, would you lift your voice? Would you pray with compassion? Would you pray with a burden one for another? Come on, God loves everybody. He's not a God of discrimination. He loves everybody equally. He cares about you. Come on, he's still a prayer answerer. He's a miracle worker. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. 
Jesus touch my brother. Jesus touch my sister. Jesus touch my family. Jesus touch my friends. Come on, God knows if you've been wounded. God knows if you've been disappointed. God knows if your heart's been broken. God knows the loss that you've suffered. God knows the disappointment. God knows the failures and God cares. Come on, God's bigger than all of that. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Something's trying to happen right now, folks. We're not going to be here all night, but let's just push right here. Come on, if you haven't engaged yet since you've got here, come on, would you give Jesus a chance to work? Sharakahaya, Rokosanda Marakaya. That's it. That's it. Come on. You can't change everything on your own, but Jesus will help you change. Come on, I can't help how I was raised. I I can't help what I went through in life, but there's a God that can help me change. Come on, there's a God that can increase my faith. There's a God that can heal my emotions. He said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Come on. Come on, just for a moment right now, would you lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost? Come on. I wish somebody would tap into what's trying to happen. There's some... There's some powerful things trying to be loosed right now in the spirit. Come on, maybe you weren't raised in abuse. Maybe you weren't raised in poverty. Come on, there may be. Everybody has limitations because of lives that we've lived. Would you give whatever that limitation is to the Lord? God, every shortcoming of mine, every hang up, every personal struggle, every issue of my life, of my personality, every issue in my marriage, come on, every self-inflicted wound, I give it to you right now. Make me in your image. Heal me. Make me what you've called me to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. Come on. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be. But I'm not where I used to be. I'm coming out of of old mentalities tonight in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 come on I know what time it is 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 Ha, I give you my baggage. I give you my hang-ups. I give you my flawed perspectives. I give you my self-defeating mentalities. I yield to your touch. Help me to see you the way that you want me to see you. Help me to see my brothers and sisters the way that you want me to see. I wish somebody would start praying on some of this. God, help me to love people the way that you do, not the way mom loved me or dad or who. God, help me to love people the way you want me to love people. I don't know how to love people the way I need to. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. God, help me to care about people. Help me to have compassion for people. Help me to have faith. Ah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Don't ever live for God so long that you feel like you've crossed some sort of personal finish line. Paul described it as the perfecting of our faith. That it's not perfect, but it's in the process of being perfected. You're not perfect. I don't care if you've been around this all your life. Your grandma and your great-grandma, you're not perfect. And uh, it may be hard for some of you to fathom having to live life with a, a gun in your pocket, uh, coming out of drugs and gangs. That may not be your story, and you may have been in the church all your life, but I'm going to tell you something. Life, you just live life long enough, and it can jade your perspective. Painful situations, disappointments, unanswered prayers can, if we had let it affect us a certain way, it can give us such a flawed perspective. Well, praise God. I haven't lived the life that others have lived. and my, my, uh, I've had painful situations, but they don't compare to what others have gone through. If, and if you're in this place tonight and you could say, well, I, I don't really relate to all of that, I'm going to tell you what you need to start praying. Jesus, I've already been saying it. Help me to see people the way that you do. Help me to have compassion for people. Well, the Bible said he looked on the multitude 
and had compassion. Jesus, the, the perfect, spotless lamb. No mistakes. Nobody in here could say that, including the pastor. No mistakes, no flaws, no problems. He looked on the flawed and had compassion. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. This isn't what the man preached, but I just feel it. I don't ever want to live for God so long and, and, and strive and reach and get to a point where I climb up on a spiritual high horse and think that I am above and beyond everyone else. I want to learn to live with compassion. But how is that necessary? That is a part of apostolic revival. Compassion is a part of revival. And uh, we've got folks that have prayed through and that are, some of them are coming. They're not coming regularly, but they're coming. And uh, what you're seeing when you see them is them wrestling with the mentalities of their past. Living for Jesus is a process. And the only way for you to get everything God's got for you is you've got to commit to the process. Well, another word for that is faithfulness. I've been gone a week and a half, but here I am trying to preach. I better quit. Amen. Anybody thankful for the word of the Lord tonight? Praise God. Amen. We love each and every one of you. We're thankful that you're here tonight. There's some folks that couldn't make it because of the weather. Uh, some are sick in body. If you see someone that's not here, be a brother, be a sister. Why don't you text them? Tell them you're praying for them. You love them. Just check on them. Uh, that's a part of the church. That's our responsibility. Amen. Thank you for being here. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.